Live from Toronto, it's Hebsey on Sports, episode number 274. Hi there, sports fans. Mark Hebsher here in the Little Italy studio wearing my new, wait a minute, there it is. Woo! <laughs> Top shelf where they keep the peanut butter. Limited edition, uh, Hebsey on Sports, a t-shirt. I'll tell you where you can get that a little bit later on. Joined, as always, by the inimitable Toronto Mike, who's running things from the mothership in Toronto. Uh, today on the show, former Toronto Blue Jays infielder, Garth Orge will join us and talk some baseball. Mike's got the Garth Orge. Is that the Garth Orge jersey? This is the George Bell jersey. Oh, you didn't have to say that, man. You could say 16 on the back, and we go, it's Garth Orge. Oh, man. That's a beauty, an absolute beauty that Mike is wearing. If you're watching this, there he is, number 11. All right. Um, So Garth is going to join us and talk some baseball in about a half an hour from now. Uh, And if ever there was a year where I wanted to see the Toronto Blue Jays up close, it would be 2022. Like, you know, two years ago, if you would have said, you know, pick a year, I'd go, "Eh, 2022, that's going to be the year I want to go down there. Spring training and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, spring training, I don't know about that. I don't know. We'll we'll get into some of that with Garth. I I don't know. I'm frustrated by the, you know, lack of progress, but that's baseball. What are you going to do? Um, And I already bet the Blue Jays to win the World Series at nine to one odds. So I want to have a World Series. Uh, We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Raptors lost a tough one last night. Is did they ever lose? Do teams ever lose a game that's not a tough one? Has everyone ever gone? They lost last night, but it wasn't a tough one. It's always uh, losses are always tough, right? And wins are always great. It was a great win. It was a great come from behind win. Or hung on to it. Whatever the case is. Talk about that. Talk about Raptors. Talk about the Leafs. Talk about Rob Gronkowski, the newest Buffalo Bill. He said with a question mark at the end. And lots more. But first, uh, let's say hello again to Toronto Mike, who is all over the airwaves these days. Mike, are you worried that you're being overexposed? Yes, I do. I am worried about that. Absolutely. So I'm going to be try to be a little quiet. No, they're not getting sick. It's just that within the span of, you know, a few weeks, you get, you know, right. major newspaper coverage, right, with photos and all that. Other people calling you to come on their podcast, which do you, there you go. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was huge. Look at that. Eh? Would that photo be any bigger? I know. It's like the time that I woke up at my uh, and looked out the window of my apartment building in Young and Eglinton and saw my face on a billboard oh. above Fran's restaurant promoting my radio show going, oh, geez, like that That's was scary. scary. Right. That was scary. Right. Um, anyway, listen, so I got the new T-shirt here. Here it is here. I got um, for those of Hold you watching up. here, we got we got these Scott Allen got us these great uh, T-shirts here. So top shelf where they keep the peanut butter. Okay, hold back. it up. Okay, yeah, you hold it up logo. a little higher. Okay, Hebsey Sports, uh, Hebsey on Sports. I see that's clever. There's no but on, do the front it's again. On yeah, that? it's in for. Show me the front again, but lift it higher. Okay, where where they keep the peanut butter? Nice. Top shelf where they keep the peanut. Butter. So anyway, here's the only way you can gain one of these shirts, limited edition shirts. Like after this run, we're not making them again. You know, Drake can probably take that logo and do something with maybe not but anyway so here's the deal folks if you sign up at hebsy.online slash bodog like hebsy.online is my new website a soft soft launch we haven't even had a launch not even a have you ever tweeted this link like to your twitter followers yeah so hebsy.online slash bodog if you sign up at bodog and you open an account for as little as 25 dollars and you make a play make a bet bodog will match your deposit all the way up to $200. Wow. You put in 100, they'll put in 100. There you go. You're gambling with house money. And it's good for me. Wets my whistle. Whatever amount you deposit, they're going to match. So all you got to do is make a play. 
Get a free limited edition Epson Sports T-shirt, top shelf for the Keep the Peanut Butter. It's worth it for the T-shirt. Like, forget for the, the T-shirt, match, man. the money you're going to make you betting go. on sports. The T-shirt. You know, and listen, you can bet on anything. You can bet on games going on one game, three game parlays. You can bet like I did. You can bet the Blue Jays at nine to one to win the World Series. You can bet the Leafs to win the Cup or not. I bet Colorado at four to one. Okay. Uh, I haven't made my choice yet as to who I'm going to bet for the NBA, but you can get on. You can bet during the game if you wanted to on the result of a game. Uh, but anyway, here's the point. Uh, you help out the show. We're not hucking you and, you know, please make a donation. We're not doing that to you. We're not, we're not throwing in long commercials and stuff like that. You know, we're trying to keep the flow of the show going. And if you like sports and you want to make a better two, that's all you got to do. Hebsy.online slash Bodog. Help us out. Get a free T-shirt. Uh, well, we'll send it to you. I've already sent out. already sent out. Uh, like this morning. Jeff and Andrew and Matthew, your T-shirts are on the way. And they're beautiful. Yes comfortable not these cheap t-shirts for like a couple of bucks you know that make you itchy these are really nice and comfortable so anyway hebsy.online slash bodog thank you very much the toronto raptors back playing in front of packed houses how long's it been since they played before like a full house the leafs the other night uh, did so against buffalo and we were uh, and the raptors last night very excited and not quite it was close but they didn't have fred van vliet and they didn't have OG Ananobi. He's out two more weeks with a finger injury. And Van Fleet's got the sore knees. And Thaddeus Young was out with a knee injury. And, you know, the, the Raptors aren't that deep to begin with. You can't be missing, you know, those types of players and expect to beat the uh, Detroit Pistons, coached by Dwayne Casey, who just has the Raptors number. He just does. He never loses to the Raptors. Six in a row against the Raptors. Wow. They could, have, they could, they could put five stick men out there. And Casey would find a way to find to get them to beat the Raptors and get Nick Nurse ejected. Remember, Nurse was Casey's assistant. Casey knows Nick Nurse. He knows that. And they're playing shorthanded. So and what are you going to do? But but the big problem with the Raptors was, uh, you know, on the on the court was the lack of depth. I mean, you can't play uh, Malachi Flynn that often and expect him to be that great. You just can't do it. You can't play Delano Banton that many minutes in key situations. Uh, you know, these are still guys that are learning the game. And, and, you know, they're essentially backup players. They're not starters. But here's where the Raptors have the greatest depth in the broadcast booth. Without a doubt, ladies and gentlemen, Matt Devlin, <laughs> out with COVID. Jack Armstrong, out with COVID. And now Paul Jones, who, Jonesy, who replaced Matt Devlin, who was out with COVID. Paul Jones, out with COVID. So now you got to go to, you got to look at your bench. You got to go who we got there. You got Megan McPeak. Okay. Who's already done NBA games before WNBA games, G league games, knows the Raptors inside and out, upside and down slides in there to do play by play. Like she's been doing it for 400 years. Leo Routens alongside and boom, you got a game live with your announcers there courtside, not calling it off a monitor, not trying to figure out what's going on from thousand miles away. It was beautiful. You got Kayla gray on the floor. You got, uh, um, a Kia nurse and um, Kate Burness, you know, having some fun. And, you know, uh, it was good. It was a good broadcast. I wish the Raptors would have won. But like I said, Dwayne Casey, you know that since Casey left the Raptors to go to Detroit, he's nine and three against Toronto. And wow. every time the Raptors were the better team, every time. Wow. Last night, Detroit romped out to a 16 point lead in the third quarter. And I'm saying to myself, eh, I think the Raptors might come back into this. And, you know, all Gary Trent uh, Jr. has to do is get hot. But he didn't. Four for 23. Let me say that again. Four for 23. So I'm thinking, at what point do you stop shooting the ball? It's not your night when you're four for 15. 
He was three for 15 from distance. I can't argue. I mean, the guy's been playing fantastic basketball. You know, everyone's going to have an off night. But again, Nick Nurse does not. He can't go to Fred Van Vliet on the bench. He can't go to OG Ananobi on the bench. He can't go to Thaddeus Young on the bench because they're not there because they're hurt. It's another thing. Load management. Remember, I was saying early in the year, Fred Van Vliet led the league in minutes played. I said, he's going to break down if this keeps up. Now his knees. Okay? Even with the all-star break where I said to him, Freddie, don't enter the three-point contest. Don't, don't make your knees worse. Like, go to Florida, man. Put, put ice packs on them for a week. You know what I mean? Because we need you if we're going to go places. I'm so selfish. <laughs> um, rookie Cade Cunningham. What a player this guy is for Detroit. Uh, outplayed fellow Rookie of the Year candidate Scotty Barnes. Uh, not by much. Uh, Scotty had 21 points, 10 rebounds. Cunningham finished with 22 and 12, five dimes and two swipes. He's a good player. There's some really good rookies out there. I don't think Scotty's going to win rookie of the year. Um, so like I said, six consecutive wins by Detroit over Toronto and the Raptors uh, still in seventh place in the East at 34 and 28. The Nets lost again. They're three back of the Raptors in the eighth spot. Uh, Celtics won again, beating Memphis. So they're in fifth place. Cleveland's in sixth place. Going to be a battle. And, and look at Philly now with James Harden too. Mm, they're good. But it's good to see... Uh fans in the seats like this is the way sports should be played it's nice to get back to a sense of normalcy do you think they should drop the um all the covid restrictions at these arenas now no i mean i think that it it's the cheapest easiest way to like prevent transmission of covid is wearing a mask i don't think they should drop it at all but i'm sure they will any any day now i'm sure well, the man i'm saying the mandate you could still go in with a mask i mean you know, no no i gonna... know i feel like uh like hmm. what, what what a what a minor inconvenience and besides as you i was at raptors 905 this week for my first time seeing raptors 905. Oh, did you like that? yeah it was fun because uh what i noted the kids who are like five and seven they don't really know the difference between Raptors 905 and Raptors 416. Right, <laughs> right. And the tickets are reasonably priced too. Well, these tickets were free. So that's the best. That's reasonably priced. Yeah. But my but I guess what I'm noticing is that everyone's got you got popcorn going or or a hot dog or a beer or a pop or whatever. Like I'd say 80% of the game, your mask is down because you're eating and drinking. Right. <laughs> that's know? always been the way with kids. If you're taking right. kids to any game, they gotta be fed. And the adults fed. too. Yeah, for sure. And, well, adults too. I mean, but the thing is, adults at least know enough to say, maybe I'll have a little something in the afternoon and then I won't be starving. Right. But again, yeah, you're going to grab a hot dog or a popcorn or whatever with the kids. Oh, but I just mask I mean, on your face. Yeah. But I mean, think of it. Yeah, that's right. And so, but we were used to that. I mean, nobody ever said a word before, right. you know, when you were, you know, you're, all you're doing is eating. You're not watching the game. Like, I can't eat and watch the game at the same time. That's a physical <laughs> right. impossibility. But it's right. when you see the families walking to their seats for the first time, right? They, you know, let's say they arrive, you know, early in the first quarter because you don't need to be there for the tip. Like, you know, sure. like nobody's rushing. Well, we got, we can't miss the opening tip. No, I like to be there for the tip. I know you do. I know yeah. you do. But, that, but I'm saying, you know, especially in a city like Toronto where traffic is crazy, foot traffic and vehicular traffic right. and bike traffic, you know that you can't always get there on time. So. But watching a family of four, for example, with all their food, right? Because remember, they got in, they got there in time, but they all went to the concession stand first. That's a big lineup. Now they get in, it's two, three minutes into the first quarter, the first period, right? right? They're in the middle of the, they're in the middle of a section. So the four of them with their heavy coats and everything like that, we haven't experienced this, Mike, in two years in Toronto, right. more, right? That packed house and people. And so I, <laughs> it was just funny to watch it. It's just funny. 
for sure. For to sure. see that, you know, what do they got there? Nachos and what is that? The brisket? Where did they get that? Excuse me. Where did you get that brisket? <laughs> Excuse me. Where'd you get? Oh, it's at that. You know, behind the third baseline. Remember, I remember with the Jays, I saw. I'm trying to think what it was. It's like Suvaki or something like that. Wait, hey, where'd you get that? Oh, in behind. Go past Jamie and Joe. Down the line there, there's a little place, but the, and there are places like that. You just got to know the lay of the land where the good stuff is, right? Right, right. You got to know that you got to know your arenas and you got to ask people. I say, yeah, just don't put the hot dogs there. No, no, go down there. They got the Smokies down there, right? The anyway, good dogs. The good stuff. Um, anyway, so the Raptors are playing again tonight. I might even go and see if I can get a ticket tonight. My buddy I might Bingo go and just see if I can get a ticket tonight. You can it's get right tic- down the street from me. Yeah, I could do oh, that. It's like thirty bucks to get in the building right now. Thirty bucks. I'm not yeah. gonna pay thirty bucks to watch the. Yeah, I might. I might pay thirty bucks. What do you mean? That's the price of a beer normally. <laughs> well, that, you know something. It might be even less because they're hosting the Orlando Magic tonight, which is uh, it's a guaranteed win night. I think for the Raptors, they lost a guaranteed win okay. for the Raptors tonight. I'm so writing that your down. Money. Get Bodog, uh, see what the uh, see what the odds are, and probably they're probably like I don't know minus one ninety or something like that, maybe more. Uh, the Maple Leafs choked and gagged on the lowly Buffalo Sabers the other night at a packed Air Canada, sorry Scotiabank Arena. I'm flying Air Canada on Monday, so I'm just I got them in my head, and that app is driving me crazy. But anyway, that's not the name of the arena anymore, and I don't deal with Scotiabank. So um, the vocal minority, Mike, has been screaming about. Leafs goaltend, bring back Felix Potvin. Where's Mike Palmatier? <laughs> the name of every guy that ever wore a Maple Leaf uniform and played goal has been sent out there in the last you know week or so with Jack Peter Ng. And Peter Ng. I mean, go ahead. Just name every Leaf goaltend, every guy that ever played, Vesa Tosca, every guy that ever, Andrew Raycroft, that had ever played goal for the Leafs and lasted however long. Uh, that's what people are doing nowadays. And I feel bad for Morazic and for Campbell. Cause like, you know, it happens. You're not having a, you know, it's the same as when Mitch Marner couldn't score for 12 games. Well, Marner looks shaky out there. Marner can't do anything like that, but with a goalie, the direct result is goal by the other team. And, but when you give up five goals and your team only scores one, I mean, how much are you going to blame Morazic, right? Yeah. You wanted him to make the big save when it was one, one, and maybe the least would have scored, uh, but no. Your team scored one goal. I got news for you. It's not Mrazic's fault. Okay? The Leafs have enough firepower that they should win that game 6-5. But you can't expect to win when you score one goal against Buffalo. That's the kind of night it was. Um, So you got to look past that. I mean, I know they say, oh, yeah, yeah, play it one game at a time. But you can't have amateur psychologists going, you know, I I realize that Jack Campbell is suffering from a fear and anxiety of shutout. You don't know about Jack Campbell. Okay, guy could play the next five games and stone the opposition. Look what's going on in Florida. Their goalies can't stop a beach ball. And they're in first place. Happens. Happens. Take it easy. And don't look now. I don't want to get you worried. But Boston is just four points back of the Maple Leafs and looking to move into their playoff position. Boston is looking to take over Toronto's spot in third place at the Atlantic. So while we're like, oh, just a couple points. Oh, Tampa's only two ahead of us. Oh, Florida's only three. What? Boston? Oh, not them. Not them and their obnoxious play-by-play guy, Jack uh, Edwards, who, like, I think Jay Onright does something on this guy every night. He's such a homer. He's such an over-the-top homer that you want to reach into your television and just punch him in the face. Oh, I can't believe they called a penalty on Marchand for that. Because there's homerism, and I get it. 
And then there's just over the top ridiculous, like the other team doesn't even exist homerism. So that first category, homerism, that would be like Joe Bowen. Well, I think Joe might be certainly not at the level of Jack Edwards. That's not, not right. even close, but Joe might be a little above that line, right? Where he puts a little, maybe put a little more into it because that's who Joe is. Then, um, um, and, and I haven't listened to enough local uh, radio play-by-play guys, you know, uh, to know. But, I, you know, Rick Jenner, when he was here, yeah, you know, that's Amherst. Sure, you're going to have that. Right. And, and, if you're, and if you're a fan of a particular team, whenever you listen to a visiting team's, um, the visiting team's home broadcasters, you're not going to like what you hear. You're just not. <laughs> that's all the way. You know, that's all there is to it. I mean, I try it sometimes. Tune in. Tune into the visiting team's broadcast and listen, go, what game are they watching? <laughs> While you're watching, you know, just flip the audio, right. just turn down. Uh, you know, I'm not saying turn down, you know, turn off Chris Cuthbert and Craig Simpson or anything like that. That's not my suggestion at all. But, you know, back in the day, we always turned down the sound on the TV and turned Tom Cheek and uh, Jerry Howarth on. Always. Right. And it didn't matter who was doing play-by-play on television. It didn't matter if it was Rob Falls or Rod Black or Jim Houston or Buck Martinez. Or, it For didn't matter. Fergie Oliver, that's right, Fergie Oliver, it didn't matter. Uh, Brian Williams, it mattered not. You want? I wanted to hear the guy that did every game, every yeah. inning was there. All I wanted to hear Tom Cheek's call of the game, did, and I'll match the pictures to it. Now, it seems like digital cable ruined that, though, because it prior to digital cable, they seemed to sync up. Like, I feel like I, I would throw mm-hmm. on CJCL and they absolutely did. TV. But now with digital cable, there's delays on the, on the television broadcast. By, right. Even if it's like seven seconds, it ruins everything. There is a way to do it. There is a way through the, um, I don't want to get into the specific. Okay, but not because terrestrial radio, you can't pause, right? right. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to get into the specificity. I like how the sausage uh, is made, but that's for another, uh, that's for the after show. Well, no, but I think, I think Mike, and I mentioned to you, there is a way now, even with digital, uh, that you can sync up the uh, audio broadcast. It's not, wouldn't be the radio version of it. It would be Another the audio streaming. feed. Yeah, the streaming. Yeah, MLB um, and, streaming. And it's great. It's terrific. And it's, it's, it is. It's very entertaining to listen to, you know, sometimes the broadcast. Maybe if you don't like the broadcaster. I'm just saying. Let's say you don't like the particular broadcaster's call. There's something annoying about a broadcaster. And we all have those broadcasters. There are Get out of here, ball. Get out. Get out. I'm, not, I'm just saying. Some people like it. Some people don't like it. Some people hate it. Some people love it. There she goes. Loves it. There up up and away. Right? You know, Dave Van Horn. Hooking. Hooking. Beautiful. Hooking. Hooking. There you go. There you go. There you go. Where was I? The Maple Leafs. Uh, oh, baby. And um, yeah, Boston, four back of the Leafs. Yikes. So tomorrow night at the arena in Toronto, uh, the crowd should be lively. Uh, masked up perhaps some and some not as the Leafs hosts the Vancouver Canucks. This woman who I told you, I don't know her name, this disembodied voice, you know what I'm talking about. There's that Leafs Canucks Saturday, 32 thoughts with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick Saturday sports knit. Now, for all I know, this woman looks nothing like I'm envisioning. I don't even know what I think she looks. It doesn't matter. But when you hear a voice and you go, like, that's supposed to be an urban, you know, sounding kind of, you know, bit, a bit of an attitude there. Gonna Leafs, Canucks, Saturday, Sportsnet. Okay. Anyway, Canucks are in a life and death battle of their own to make the postseason. They're four points behind Vegas for the final wild card spot. They have to jump three teams to get there. Not going to be easy. Bruce Gabby Boudreau, the coach, 
I knew him well. I used to play golf with Bruce Boudreaux. We were members of the same golf club. Nice guy, right? Yeah, great guy. Great guy. Uh, loquacious. I'd have a beer with that man. Uh, yeah, uh, several. Several. <laughs> and, um, well, when we were younger, we used to call him, well, we, we had nasty nickname for him when he played oh. junior. Yeah. Oh. Well, he was Mr. Potato Head. We called him Mr. Potato Head. Could be worse. But I'm saying, but I'm saying this, he was a junior at the time. So he's like a year older than me, maybe. So I don't know. I was 14 or 15 or whatever. And he was, you know, 17. And he looked like Mr. Potato Head. Gabby, Gabby Boudreaux. Very loquacious. Okay. Um, <laughs> our friends at Bodog put up a list on their top 10 Canadian athletes. It's just, it's a list. It's like, uh, let's pick 10 names. I saw this. Let's just see what type of, let's see what kind of response we get. Because remember, lists are subjective. Your top 10 albums are not my top 10 albums. Your top 10 moments are not my top 10 moments. Your top 10 Canadian athletes are not my top 10 Canadian athletes. So this was Bodog's list. Mm-hmm. Terry Fox, who to me gets his own, he gets his own category. You Correct. So anyway, but that, you know, let, let's do a little controversy. Number two, Wayne Gertzky. Number three, Clara Hughes. Four, Mario Lemieux. Five, Steve Nash. Six, Haley Wickenheiser, seven, Sidney Crosby, eight, Mike Weir, nine, George St. Pierre, 10, Bret Hart. Well, naturally, and again, this is a subjective list. This is not, this is not an etched in stone list. This is not, this is someone's list of name me 10. Maybe someone said name me 10 of them in 30 seconds. Go. Boom. Anyway, so I naturally disagreed, which I think was part of the exercise, but it was fun because I went, all right, who are my top 10? And how much time do I have to think about this? And what are the criteria? What are the criteria? So the criteria, as far as I'm concerned, should be specific. There should be some specificity. Mm -hmm. So number one, and first and foremost, this person must be retired from elite competitive sport. Must be retired. You can't have an active person and put them in any hall of fame. Thereby, you can't say the greatest because their body of work isn't complete. But if someone like Christine Sinclair, for example, who is going to be in the Hall of Fame, it's obvious, is still playing at a high level, but I would say is on the downside of her career, she's her accomplishments, she she could be in this list because even though she's not retired competitively. Okay, but by the same reasoning, I'm just this, saying, that's Sidney Crosby smart. could be on the list for the same reason, because even if he retired today, his uh, body of work stands for itself. But perhaps not. Perhaps his body of work doesn't stand in a top 10 well, that's uh, with other athletes. But again, you're right, subjective. So that's number one. Okay, must be retired. Number two is Hall of Fame. If you're in the Hall of Fame of the sport that you performed in, it, you have reached that pinnacle. Right. You're 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 obviously part of a, you know, one of the greatest athletes. You're in the Hall of Fame, like a Fergie Jenkins, like a Larry Walker. You're in the Hall of Fame. So after that, it's number of Olympic medals won or major championships won, depending on your sport and or scoring records achieved are given the highest priority. And you had to have been a top level performer over a number of years. And this is difficult with Olympic athletes because it's only every four years. Right. So, I mean, Donovan Bailey is in your thing. Had Donovan Bailey, you know, won all of his Olympic gold medals over the course of four or five Olympics. Wow. That's something. So multiple medals. You know, these are things I would take into consideration. And then finally, you must be a Canadian citizen. You could be a dual citizen like Lennox Lewis. 
but you have to be a Canadian citizen. If you gave up your citizenship or you were not ever a Canadian citizen or you don't plan on being a Canadian citizen, like Stephen Ames eventually became a Canadian citizen, I guess, because he married a woman from Calgary. These are discussions to have. Anyway, my list for what it's worth. Retired, Wayne Gretzky, Hall of Fame. Steve Nash, Hall of Fame. Larry Walker, Hall of Fame. Clara Hughes, only athlete in history. Athlete, not Canadian, only athlete in history to win multiple medals at the winter and summer games. Fucking incredible. Think about it. All right. Right. Think about it. Speed skating and cycling. Who, who could do that? Multiple medals. And she won a gold. So not, not, I'm not saying if it was six bronzes, it wouldn't be great, but she did win gold. Mm-hmm. That's number four. Number five is Lionel Conacher. Oh, Hebsy, old guy, blah, blah. This dude apparently, not apparently, played every sport and was fantastic. And the, the Athlete of the Year award given out by Canadian press is the Lionel, to a male in Canada, is the Lionel Conacher Award. That's pretty For the cool. youngins, the youngins tuning in though, what what era? Like, give us a little idea of what. Oh, he, he was born in 1900, so you're looking at the 20s, the 30s, uh, okay. into the 40s. National Hockey League. You were just a kid back player, then, okay? Uh, Canadian Football League track star, phenomenal. Lionel Conker, yeah. Um, number six is Christine Sinclair. Like I said, she's uh, you know I, I could replace her. For example, I could replace her with Lennox Lewis if everyone has to be retired from elite competition, which I will do. But again, she's you know she's there for sure when the time comes when she's eligible when she's retired. Uh, seven is Ferguson Jenkins, Baseball Hall of Fame. Eight is Gordie Howe. Nine is Donovan Bailey. And 10 is Cindy Clausen. Again, six Olympic medals. Come on. Uh, and you can add to your own. You know, look, the Lennox Lewis thing, look, this guy won a gold medal in Seoul and uh, was completely overshadowed by the Ben Johnson scandal. Completely. Um, and a lot of his beefs when it came to, uh, you know, the Canadian Olympic Committee and the amount of support he got from boxing. Um, you know, look, he decided to fight for England where he was born. He moved to Kitchener when he was 12 years old. He won gold for Canada. Is he Canadian? Sure he is. Of course. What do you think, Mike? I think we have to remember the uh, the original purpose from our friends at Bodog was to get people like engaged, right? If you do a clean pen, you know, nobody's, oh, that's nice. I disagree with this and that, but it's, you know, so the whole Terry Fox, number one, I almost feel like if you're a brand and you're putting out that list and you don't have Terry Fox, number one, it's like, it's, it's, it's like not worth the, you're better to go on the other side. So I agree with you that, you know, he deserves a category unto yeah, for sure. himself what he did. Yeah. And, well, he's not, a, he was not, a, he was not a competitive athlete. Right. He didn't run on that note, Canada as a competitive athlete, a competing game. So it's a different category. And of right. course, he, uh, no so, one's ever going to dispute how, of course, we all like he was. What he did, but the other one, of course, which is there to cause controversy and doesn't belong there, is Bret Hart. Like, what about uh, George St. Pierre? What? 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 Well, that's a, but that's a sport. That to me is like boxing, right? It's wrestling is predetermined <laughs> outcome, what? right? So, so I'm sorry, they're what? not even they're not the same thing, right? George St. Pierre, athletes, yeah, 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 athletes. So all because, but but to me, to me, when your sport, quote unquote, sport is has predetermined outcomes, you're more of an athletic actor like The Rock or something. So you so, want to put them in a different category? Should we put George St. Pierre and... Uh, and Why um, would Bret Hart... like he'd be Bret like, Hart in a category? In a different category? Oh, no. George St. Pierre... What about Iron Mike Sharp? Well, what about yeah. Iron Mike Sharp? Put him with Bret Hart. Remember Billy belong. Watson. Come on. Just different quickly, category? 
before because we do have our guest standing by, but GSP right. does belong on your list if you think he's a top 10. I don't listen, follow the sport enough. You and I are doing cool exactly sport. what Bodog wanted us to do. We're right. arguing over it. We're discussing well, luckily, it. uh, we're in bed day. with them already, so it's it's all good. It's, it's all a great good. discussion. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you may notice, folks, that uh, Toronto Mike is smelling exceptionally good these days. And do you want to know why? Uh, because he got a gift pack from NateMakesSoap.com, one of our sponsors. Uh, and by the way, today's guest is also going to receive a gift pack from NateMakesSoap.com. And, and, and here's why. Mike, you and your wife, Monica, and I'm sure the kids smell great because this isn't your average like soap that you get at the store that dries out your skin. This smells is wonderful. Great. Fragrance. Smells great. Mike is just look at him. Man. I'm just wearing my number 16 here and it's never smelled better. So. There you go. There you go. Well done. Well, way to uh, ingratiate yourself with the with the guests. So listen, go to NateMakesSoap.com. Use the code HEBSY20 for 20% off your first order and support the podcast. All right. And by the way, um, these t-shirts, top shelf for the keep the peanut butter t-shirt that I've got on here that you can win, um, was delivered to me via a goodfootdelivery.com. Now, Goodfoot Delivery is a Toronto courier service that provides meaningful employment to the neurodiverse and developmentally disabled community. Yesterday, we had the t-shirts uh, uh, printed. Uh, they were ready to pick up from the printer in North York to the studio in Little Italy. We we got in touch with goodfootdelivery.com, placed our order online, chose the service type. They offer regular and expedited service. We chose expedited. We we're able to track our order online. We could see when the courier picked the order up. We could see when uh, they were on their way to the studio and at what time they would arrive. And they did on time. And we would choose from the various delivery options, including no contact delivery, which we declined because I wanted to get a picture of the first batch of T-shirts uh, so when David, the courier, dropped them off, I had him open up the package. We recorded it, got some video, got some shirt, uh, some pictures of him holding up the T-shirts. It was very exciting. It's a great company when you want to order from a local business that does not offer delivery themselves. Like, you know, maybe a local bookstore or a specialty food store with good foot delivery. You can have anything delivered affordably and reliably. And the folks at goodfootdelivery.com are offering you 50% off any of their delivery services. Don't overpay for delivery. Go to goodfootdelivery.com, enter the promo code HEBSY50 for 50% off your first two deliveries. And you can have something delivered for as little as $4 and help support a local charitable organization. All right, joining us on the show now, I haven't spoken to him in 35 years. He looks exactly the same. He's, where are you, in Florida? Garth Orge joins us. Hey, Garth. Hey, how you doing, Mark? Oh, I'm fantastic. Where are you, in Florida? Yeah, I'm in Florida. Yeah. No spring training this year. What's going on? Uh, you know, to me, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, don't say that. No, I, I, I watch baseball. I love it. I'm still a Blue Jay fan, obviously. But yeah, I, uh, I don't know what's going on. It's frustrating. Yeah. yeah, no one does. And plus, when you were playing, too, there were, what, three, four, five work stoppages. It was like every year there was a threat that there was going to be a stoppage. Um, I think free agent compensation was one of the things. Binding arbitration was another one. In fact, there was a strike one. There was like a two-day strike one in 85. Wasn't there like a two-day yes. uh, strike? Yeah, we're all getting ready to think, hey, what's going to happen? And then two days later, they called us back and let's get going. <laughs> so that was great. That was That was a good one. Was it? Why? Why was it great? Well, because uh, it had to be done and it was only two days. And so it really wasn't interrupted. You know, nothing was really interrupted. So we were able to get back on the field and, and start playing. So you guys knew this was August 6th and 7th, 1985. Um, 
The reason I remember this is, if I'm not mistaken, Tom Hankey had been called up by the Jays from Syracuse, didn't have a place to stay. You and Patty had your place in Mississauga. I think Patty was, uh, I think she might have been pregnant with Kale at the time. Yes, right? she was. Okay. So there's three little kids running around. She's pregnant with Kale, uh, about to drop, and uh, Hankey's sleeping on the couch. Is that about right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that was a funny year because we went into that year and we couldn't find a place to stay. And so we ended up staying. We usually stayed, you know, in the Palace Pier or someplace along the lakeshore. But we finally found a place at the last minute. So, you know, worked out well. Then when Tom got called up, um, he needed a place to stay and said, well, come on, big boy. So it was great. No, Feel it great. Talk to him often. Oh, man. And he's so great. I saw him a few years ago um, when he was inducted actually into the uh, – Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. But um, so so these relationships you developed, um, you know, like how many of these guys that you spent time with, because you spent your whole year with the Jays and in, well, mostly in the Jays organization. I know you were drafted out of the Yankees. How many of them do you still stay in touch with? Um, I stay in touch with. Well, actually, I see Buck Martinez all the time, play golf with him, go out to dinner. Uh, he's over here all the time at our house. And then I stay in touch with Tom and there's a few others that I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, I stay in touch with, you know, quite a bit. Willie Upshaw is one, you know, you know, so, but uh, really, you know, you kind of go your own way when you're done. Yeah. It's, I, those are probably the guys I stay in touch with the most. So um, we had one of our, one of our listeners uh, cracked when, when they found out that you were going to be on the show. One of my listeners cracked something to the effect of, will Rance Mullenix be replacing him halfway through the interview? Yeah. <laughs> Probably. In the last minute. <laughs> so let's explain this relationship, all right? Both you and Rance Mullenix were utility infielders, backup shortstop, uh, second, third short. And you had an opportunity when Bobby Cox came in 1982 to the Blue Jays to, to, to actually hold down a position and know pretty much when you were going to be playing. Is that how it uh, came about? Yeah. It was, it was kind of funny because we ne neither one of us played third base in spring training that year. We were always playing third and short. Who played Our, third in spring training? That was that Aurelio Rodriguez. We had Aurelio Rodriguez and they were, you know, Aurelio was there and who was a phenomenal guy. And so it was like, uh, I think it was, Maybe the second day, of, the second to the last day of spring training, Bobby Cox calls me in and says, hey, we're going to, you and Rats are going to platoon a third. And I said, well, we never played third. But opening day, you know, in, I think we were playing in Boston, you know, and it was just like, holy cow, this is weird, you know. But it was, uh, it turned out to be a great thing. It was a, it was a fun thing. It worked well, worked well for the Jays. It worked well for me and Rance. Did you know Rance before that? I knew who he was. He was, you know, he was, I think he was the number one pick by uh, the Angels and then, but, but got to the big league with Kansas City. So he played against them, but he never really played much because of Kansas City's great team. And then when we got him, it turned out to be a great, you know, just a great pickup for the Blue Jays. I don't think people realize how similar you two guys are were uh, and maybe became even closer because of the fact that you knew exactly when you were playing and instead of being jealous no i should have more playing time you knew that if it was a right-handed pitcher starting that rance was going to start if it was a lefty you were going to start and if there was a pinch hitting opportunity later in the game you were going to replace him lefty lefty righty righty that type of a thing there so but you guys are similar in that you have the same interests right yeah 
we golf, we fish, we, you know, we have a lot of fun together. You know, uh, we actually worked in the Blue Jay minor league organization, just had a tremendous time together when he was a hitting guy and I was roving around as the infield guy. And it was so much fun. Um, you know, we had him, Ernie, Whitman, Bill. Yeah, Ernie. So, so everyone knew what the Jays lineup was like that 85 season. In fact, for a number of seasons, I'm thinking it was Willie at first. It was Dama with second. It was uh, uh, Tony at short. Uh, it was your Rance. It was Bell, Barfield, Mosby. It was Ernie or Buck. Um, right. For a number of years. How many years? So how many years was it that um, what, I, what was the stretch there where it was uh, pretty much that lineup? Probably six, possibly seven years. 82, 83, 84, 85, 86, 87. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, and it was, it was a, it was a lot of fun. You know, it was, it was a lot, you know, we, because we pinched hit, you know, so you got your games, you know, you always played like, a, you know, both of us played about 130 something games a year and it worked out really well. Um, and so oh, let's see here. Let's, I want to go to Detroit, your first major league game was also Willie Upshaw's first major league game. Because I remember I asked Willie about it at the uh, Robbie Alibar golf tournament a few years ago. And he says, yeah, he says, uh, I, uh, that was my first game against Jack Billingham. And I'm thinking, I think that was, I think that was Garth's first game too. Do you remember that? I do. I do. What happened that day? What happened? Um, well, I don't know the score. I know I got a hit and that's all I really cared about. <laughs> yeah. 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 Lost. You guys got beat by Jack Billingham. You lost, I think, 8-4. Yeah. Uh, that was a but how did you find out like is this going to be your first major league game like what 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 preceded that well uh the manager was roy hartsfield and roy said hey you're in there tomorrow and that was basically it you know the first day the first day we had fidrich pitching against lemanchik and uh jason thompson there i mean detroit had a marvelous team and jason thompson hits one over the uh you know out of the stadium of tiger you know? stadium yeah and uh fidrich is talking to the ball and i'm like you know this is my first time in the big leagues i'm looking at these guys and go you know and then i go up my first at bat and i never i'll never forget this i looked at how far it was to hit a ball out of that stadium and right field and i was thinking to myself you know maybe you don't belong here you know it's like one of those aha moments you know like and it took me a while to get over that hump, you know, because those guys at the Tigers at that time were really good. They had some powerful players. Yeah, Jason Thompson, Steve Kemp, uh, Lance Parrish. Yeah, that was some pretty good. Uh, Trammell, Whitaker had just come up, right? Right. Whew, that was some squad. Um, and so, on that, and by the way, on that first day, the first ball ever hit to you as a major leaguer, second baseman, first ball ever hit to you. What happened? Uh, I probably caught it. No, no, <laughs> come on, come on. I was there. Rusty Staub. I, I, you Runner know, I, at first. I, I don't remember. Jesus, I really Garth, I know more about your career than you do, for gosh sakes. Yeah. It was your first game in the majors. Yeah. You, uh, it was a 4-6-3 double play. It was a tailor-made 4-6-3 double play ball with Rusty Staub running at uh, first, and so you got him by a couple of steps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not know that. Well, there you go. Okay, now you know. Um, uh, did you also know that you have, according to many, the strangest, weirdest, and according to Rance Mullenick, most unique batting stance of anyone they had ever seen. Probably. Yeah, I knew that. You know, it was, it was weird because it was, uh, 
I don't know how I got to that point. Oh, come on. You must have experimented with all kinds of stances, well, I was, right? But I was struggling in the minor leagues. And I'm watching a game. The, um, you know, there was a day game. And we're all sitting in a hotel watching this day game. It happened to be the uh, California Angels were playing. I'm looking and I'm seeing Rod Carew hit. And I go, you know what? I'm going to try that. I'm going to try <laughs> that tonight. And I went out and tried it. And, of course, it was, you know, like, you know, it was really weird because um, I went out and I got a couple of hits and I just kind of stayed with it and felt good. And, and I really didn't look at myself. I thought I looked like Rod Carew from the right side. Well, you didn't. No, I didn't. But it was like, uh, you know, it was OK. You know, it worked out all right. <laughs> I just remember one time, I think it was in the spring or whatever, where everything's so relaxed in the springtime, right? Um, and I just remember one of my photographers said, you know, we, I said, get a shot of Garth's batting stance, but I want you to start at on the ground. I want you to start like on with his toe, you know, and then slowly, you know, uh, <laughs> tilt up the body to get that stance there. And I remember it was about maybe a five or six second shot. And it was like, this is the weirdest thing. And you were like, you know, you're on your tippy toe and you're lean back and just, uh, yeah, it was, um, it, it, it was interesting. But hey, like you said, you lasted in the major leagues all that time. Yeah, it worked out. Yeah, it worked out okay. Um, uh, I have to ask you about this. Your last game in the major leagues, you were still a young man. You were 32 years old. Right. Uh, and your last game in the major leagues was the last out of the 1987 season that uh, was like probably wiped from the memory of many Blue Jay fans, but need to bring it up because that was such a good team. It Such was, a good team. And, and it's unfortunate that the last seven games of the season and your final out defined that season for a lot of fans. Right. It, it was, uh, we just could not stop it. You know, no matter, I mean, everybody just went into the tank, you know, it just, and then it was like, uh, I think with Bill Madlock rolled Tony. Oh yeah. Illegal slide. Get back at somebody. And then he got hurt. And so we lost Tony. We lost Ernie. And it was just like um, those two big gaps, you know, just in incredibly hurt us. And we just couldn't get uh, George, who won the MVP, you know, just kind of went into a little bit of funk. Nobody was swinging the bat very good. And it was just like one of those times, like in the middle of the season, nobody would have noticed. But at the end of the season, it was it was really horrific. Jimmy Wayne was our manager and he was panicked more than anybody. You know, it's just like. The coaching staff was on edge. Pat Gillick was on edge. Well, what do you mean when you say that Jimmy, um, Jimmy was only, it's 86. So Jimmy, that was only Jimmy, that was Jimmy's second year as the manager. When you say he was panicked, did you, are you suggesting that, for example, if Bobby Cox was managing that team, would there have been that level of panic? I don't think so. I don't think so. I remember, I remember in 85, we went in to Boston and we had a chance to end the season. And we went into Boston. I, I want to say we lost either maybe three or four in a row in Boston before we came back to Toronto. And I remember the last day we lost. And everybody was in the clubhouse. And everybody was really down. I mean, down. And Bobby Cox came in and turned on the music and smiling and laughing, said, let's go. You know, and, it, and you could see this cloud, you know, just dissipate you know, in our clubhouse, we went back and, you know, we ended up winning our division. So it's just like, uh, it's just the opposite with, uh, with Jimmy, you know, it was, it was, it was just a very, very tough time. 
And I like Jimmy. I mean, it's not like I thought Jimmy was a bad man or just a tough situation for everybody. Mm. I guess a tough situation for George Bell uh, after the fact, too, because he ended up winning the MVP. And I remember, too, because I was in the Dominican Republic in 87, right where George had been named. I guess it was in November and he had been named the MVP and the whole island was just, you know, going crazy. It was phenomenal that George Bell was the first ever Dominican to win the MVP. And I still remember and I remember talking to Fred McGriff about it going, you know, man, there's just something well, he won the MVP, but boy, he just down the stretch, the whole team. And of course he was expected to do a lot. Just didn't, didn't do the job. Um, George was a catalyst on that team, Garth. What, what was it like on a daily basis with a guy like that, who was capable of, of, of carrying the team, but also capable of causing a lot of unrest? Well, he didn't cause any unrest. He was, he was loved. George was loved by everybody. He was fun. He came to the ballpark every day. He played hard. Uh, he I, and I looked at him as a, you know, like uh, we really didn't have, you know, like a lot of teams have a leader. We, that was a team that didn't need a leader. But we had a lot of guys who just went out and played hard. We didn't need somebody to rally us or do anything. But, you know, we also had Jesse and we had Lloyd and we had Tony. You know, we had we had a lot of firepower, Damo, Willie, you know, and so um, – that was that was a that was an easy team to hit on, you know, because there were so many things happening, so many uh, uh, throughout the course of the season. I mean, pitchers would come in to play the Blue Jays, and you know, it was like I don't want to pitch against these guys, <laughs> you know. And it was just it, that's the way it was, you know. And then all of a sudden, like we like I said, we get to the end of the season, and you know, for some reason. Milwaukee always had our number. And I talked to Robin Young about that. And he said, man, we knew what you were throwing. We knew what you guys were doing all the time. And they just had our number. And we just couldn't get around Milwaukee. And it was like Milwaukee and Detroit were coming down to it. And, of course, Detroit had that great staff with a great team. But, you know, it was, it was, a, it, it was a very frustrating time. Um, you know, people forget that there was no division series or wild card. Then you had to win your division and that American league East forget about just Boston and New York. So you already mentioned it, Milwaukee, Detroit, like really, that was really tough. I mean, to get to the, I think the American least had like six different winners in six consecutive years. Yeah. That's how good that division was. Yeah, no, it was tough. And you know, uh, Cleveland didn't have any pitching, but they had a great offense. Huh. So you, you couldn't sleep on Cleveland. You know, because they could come out and score five, six runs. And you just hope you outscored them, you know. So it was a it was a very, very competitive division. And, man, it was tough to get around. And like you said, it seemed like every year there was a different winner. Yeah. Hey, Garth, my, uh, my man here, Toronto Mike, who's wearing his uh, a Garth Orge slash George <laughs> Bell vintage 85 Blue Jays road jersey, uh, has some questions for you. Go ahead. Pleasure to meet you, Garth. Uh, Big, big fan. Uh, in the schoolyard, I'm of a, an age where we were imitating your batting stance. That We all did the Garth Orge. I hope you know we all were mimicking you. Great. That's awesome. I love that. Most unique stance on the Blue Jays. Uh, just interesting, fun fact about you. I wonder if you're aware of this, but you're the answer to one of my favorite Blue Jays trivia questions. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Of all the Toronto Blue Jays who only played for one major league baseball team, who had the longest career? Oh, 
gosh. It couldn't he have only been. played for one major league team. Right, that's key. So the that's only the major league baseball play team that this going to any 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 team, not just the Blue Jays. No, so this uh the answer to this trivia question only played for the Blue Jays. So of all the major league baseball players who only played for the Blue Jays, never played for any other major league baseball team, who had the longest major league baseball <laughs> career? That, I mean everybody went on played somewhere else. Yeah, see, you never played for any other major league team, Garth, so you've got to be the answer. Who else on the Blue Jays only played for the Blue Jays for their whole career more than you? Garth, it's you, buddy. It's you. It's you. You're the man. <laughs> You're the one. You're the And when you retired, you led the Blue You had more pinch hits than anybody else in Blue Jay history, most of them when you pinch hit for Lance Molinix in the seventh That's or right. whatever. A lot of fun. Um, oh, God. Hey, Garth, I want to go back to that 87 thing. Um, why did you retire? after the 87 season you had lots of baseball left in you i think i was in i i went through a kind of a weird situation in 87 i hurt my neck about in the middle of the season i just could not get right and so i had a terrible year and it was a frustrating year and i didn't really retire i just wasn't given the opportunity to go on you know i had a couple of minor league deals that i should have probably in hindsight should have taken but you know, pride would not let me go to a minor league camp, but I just, I sh probably should have done that. But as it worked out, you know, it ended, it ended and I was grateful for it. And, you know, everything worked out fine in my life. Um, you, you say you had a regret there. Interesting, because when you first came up with the Jays, you didn't last long in 78. You went to Syracuse. And then I think you spent the whole season of Syracuse in 79. And on those teams in Syracuse at the time, there were guys who had been in the majors and were back down in AAA. Did you see that at the time and say, maybe, you know, I, I don't ever want to be this guy, you know, 29 yeah. or 30 years old, having to go back to AAA? Right. I did not want to do that. And I, there were guys who literally, and even when I managed AAA for the Blue Jays, we had guys on our team that are, you know, were 32, 33 years old, you know, playing for the Blue and playing in AAA. And they were, you know, we just called them mercenaries. They just went around from team to team to team, you know, and I said, Ooh, I don't want to do be any part of that. Right. So where did you end up going after, um, after your major league career? Well, I had a uh, I had a business that I started in Northern California. It was a you know structural steel business, and I had that to fall back on. And then uh, that was going well, and I sold it. And about the time I sold it, um, the Blue Jays said we'd love to have you come back and coach. Who and called so you? It was Pat Pat Gilly. Nice. You know, so I went back and I and. Uh, I went back and coached and stayed with them and then got back to the major leagues, right. you know, coach. And then when J.P. Rashardi coming in, came in, he ended up firing us all, which was fine. And then I opened up a, I, when I was managing in Knoxville, we ended up moving to Knoxville, Tennessee, because it's so beautiful. And so my kids ended up going to Knoxville. I had a son go to University of Tennessee. Uh -huh. and, uh, after that, uh, I opened up a facility there. And then I end up selling it. And then about that time, the brewers called me. So would you want to come in and work for the brewers? So I did that. It was just, it just, you know, one thing after another, when one thing fell, another thing happened. It was great. Who called you from the brewers? Gordash. Of course. There you go. Yeah. yeah Gordash, you know? So I went back and, and stayed with them and ended up getting to the big leagues and being on a couple of really nice teams there, in, you know, Milwaukee. So it was, it was a lot of fun. 
That's great. Now, wait a second. So, Garth, you met Gordash when I met Gordash. He was a member of the grounds crew at Exhibition Stadium. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, he, and he became a GM. I mean, what? A, and I don't think people really, re, you know, realize what this guy did. I mean, went back to school, got his education, worked his tail off. <laughs> and, you know, I thought he did a good job. He did. I really, I really thought, and I really think, this is one of the funny things, but when Buck Martinez was managing there and I was coaching, um, I thought we were putting in things in place to get back to championship team. And, you know, new ownership took over. And I'm the, I don't want to mention names, but, you know, new oh, man. Come on, you can mention names now. You're retired no. from all that. But they, you know, they came in and they changed everything. They hired JP and JP had, oh my gosh, it was like 180 you know, from what we were doing. And I just, I just ever thought that would ever work what he was thinking about doing in it. You know, obviously it didn't work out, but you know, I think they're doing some great things now that it's a fun team to watch today. So it's, they're back on track. Nice. Life is, uh, life's good for you. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I read that, um, I guess a little over a year ago, your, your dad died who I met. Yeah. I had met in 85 with uh, your brother Lee and because uh, you and Dane were playing against each other in the championship series. Uh, and your dad has, uh, is this right? 62 uh, grandchildren. Yeah, probably does. Grandchildren and great grandchildren. Wow, yeah. man. Yeah. My mom and dad, they were, they were phenomenal. They were great. And they had, you know, we had a big extended family, so it's a lot of fun. And I'm really close with both my brothers. So we see each other all the time. Uh, and so you're close. Are they living in Florida as well or? No, one lives in Denver. Dane lives in Salt Lake. And so it's, uh, you know, but we get together. We're fly fishermen. I fish. I live on the water here. Got a couple of boats. Oh, man. And so we go around different parts of the United States and, and fly fish. So it's a lot of fun. That's fantastic. Fantastic. And uh, your children all grown now. Um and uh, one one is Canadian born, and uh, yeah. Cade's Canadian born. He's the only one. Yeah, yeah, he yeah he was born in Oakville, oh. you know, during the '85, and so it was a uh, that was a great year. And Kale's been a mar in fact, Kale played for the Canadian right team. You know, he played shortstop for him, and he was undergoing you know serious arm surgery at the time. But you know, he wanted to play for Canada, and he went and played. It was it was so much fun. I was so proud of him. It was so much. To, it was so fun to see the Canadian. I got the hat, I got the uniform, you know, Joey Botta was a good friend of mine. So, you know, Jody, Joe, Joey took really good care of Kale. So it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's fantastic. That's absolutely awesome. You know, I, I, it's been so many years, but at the same time, you spent so many years in Toronto that I, you know, I, I think you, I mean, you ingratiated yourself certainly in the Blue Jay community. Um, and with the last two years with COVID and everything, will there be an opportunity for you to come back up here? I mean, like I had tickets for all the games down in Dunedin this spring, I'm leaving on Monday and like, there isn't going to be any action at the ballpark. Um, so will we see you in amongst the blue Jays? I hope so. You know, I was doing some stuff for the blue Jays, you know, before COVID hit. And so it was a lot of fun. I really enjoy going back to Toronto. I love seeing the people I love, you know, being associated with the team. You know, I, I really, I, I love the team. I mean, I love their team today. I think they have really hit on something great. And I think it's a fun team to watch. And again, if I was a team on another, a pitcher on another team, I would not want to pitch against the Blue Jays. 
oh man, here we can just hardly wait. And the fact that, remember, the Jays haven't been playing. I mean, they only played a handful of games in Toronto last year. They were in Buffalo. They were in Dunedin down there. I just People are just chomping at the bits. We don't want to miss the best years of Bo and Vladdy and, and all these great players. Uh, Garth, it was so much fun reminiscing, man. It was just uh, wonderful. Well, thanks for having me. I had a great time. Thank you. Garth, could I slip in one more question here? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> He's got more trivia. <laughs> well, I lived and died, of course. We called it the drive of 85. But I have a question, a memory I have from 1985. I have a memory of your mother being interviewed on television when the AC ALCS was happening between our Toronto Blue Jays and your brother's Kansas City Royals. And I have a memory of your mom saying she was cheering for the Royals. And I remember thinking, poor Garth. No, no, she was. she wanted us to win. So she was okay because my because this is how memories work. They're a copy of a copy. But I remember she was picking one of her sons over the other, and I had her picking Dane Orge over Garth. No, Dane had already won a World Series with St. Louis, and so he she wanted me to have the oh. same opportunity. So she wanted me to, you know, she was rooting for us both individually, but the team she wanted the Blue Jays to win. I'm so glad you clarified that because now I can correct my memory all these years later. Thank you. Going darts at my mom. <laughs> <laughs> you could have asked me that, Mike. I could have told you because uh, for sure, Mrs. Orge, I mean, she had already witnessed a World Series with one son. Why wouldn't she want the other son to win well, a World Series? Exactly. I misheard. Thank you for correcting me. That's a much better uh, story than the one I thought. Yeah. Yeah, my you brother, could... you know, when I come around, I wear that Kansas City ring, you know, so it's a, you know, oh. I, I cut your finger off. <laughs> and, and the other thing too uh, garth is uh, people maybe not realize but dane's like four years older than you You guys never played together he was your like your brother lee is the the next oldest and then and then dane after that right and dane was always like my idol he was a guy that i wanted to be like you know he was so great in high school so great in college and you know it's like that's what i wanted to be like and i think i really got my love from you know baseball from my dad obviously but then my two brothers were just like, you know, I don't know how many wiffle ball games we played in our backyard and how many fights we got in, but it was, <laughs> it was a love hate relationship growing up. But I really idolized both those guys. Fantastic. Garth, I'm so glad that you're doing well. It was great to have you on my regards to Patty. I haven't seen her in 35 years or so either. And I'm glad that uh, things are working out and look, I'm going to be down there. Maybe we'll run into each other. I got some soap for right. you. I got a t-shirt. And uh, maybe we can connect. It was fantastic talking to you. All right. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me, guys. You are so welcome. That's Garth Orge, ladies and gentlemen. Played his entire career with the Toronto Blue Jays. Nobody in Blue Jay history played more games as a Blue Jay as their only team than Garth Orge. Dude, that was great. Such a guy. He's just exactly the same. He's exactly the same as I remember and not changed at all. It's a good, always with a good clip. Always, have, But I found it very interesting because I remember at the time, nobody would say it, but Jimmy Williams made those guys nervous. Yeah, that was he made them nervous. And Bobby Cox was the opposite. Just right. when you thought Bobby Cox was going to blow a gasket, have a shit fit, he'd go, come on, let's all go for a beer. Like he just, that was a great, he was fantastic at disarming people. And, you know, I hadn't thought about it. I'm so glad that Garth mentioned it too. Yeah. That team choked. And the reason they choked, one of the reasons was their manager choked. He the could two, not handle. Now, 
I just recently revisited this. So the, yeah, the two injuries we talked about. So Tony goes down, Ernie goes down, right? And then you had uh, an MVP season from George Bell, where he tried to do too much, maybe, but he went. Well, four that's what for, they were saying. He was. Well, he gassed. went four for forty-four down the stretch, like yeah. literally couldn't hit. Well, and we once he stopped hitting, you know. Well, we didn't bring up the fact that I don't believe Garth had a hit in September, right? And and most of August. I didn't even I didn't even count it up and I didn't want to bring it up, but, you know, and but like he had said, you know, he had a neck injury and all that. But you could tell that man, he just couldn't do anything. And that last out against Frank Tanana, which was painful. I can still see it. A dribbler, like a bl- bl- dribbler to the mound. I almost went there. And then I said, well, let's keep this happy. That, but that, that Tanana like underhanded, like, you know, like you would in softball and Garth right. is running as fast as he can. That was it. That was his last major league at bat. That was it. Right. He didn't. Get an, well, he said, he told us, you know, that he got an offer to go to AAA and maybe should have, but still, um, you know, great, there great you go. conversation. Loved it, buddy. Yeah. And yeah. George, listen, and I, I kind of knew about George. You see, the thing is that everybody kind of wanted to let you believe that George was a, a shit disturber. And, and he was intentionally, right, to the media, to, some, to give that indication. Yeah. But amongst his teammates... I mean, are you kidding? They all wanted George as a teammate. Who wouldn't want George Bell as a teammate? Guy would run through a wall. Exactly. Anyway, and I didn't even get a chance to ask him about the karate kick, but I'm going to have that on next week's show. Okay. The good. Karate kick on next week's yeah, show. Okay. So there you go. Uh, that's uh, Garth Orge right there. I uh, didn't even get a chance to ask him about the, the rule changes that Major League Baseball wants to implement, uh, banning the shift, a pitch clock, and oversized bases. Uh, that's, what, uh, the, that's what the owners want. Uh, it can't begin before the 2024 season unless the union agrees. Major League Baseball wants those rules to go to effect in 2023. So uh, banning the shift. What do you think, Mike? That's a tough one. Uh, uh, I do hate the shift passionately. I still remember, I think I first saw it come out for Carlos Delgado or something. And I remember thinking like, this is bullshit. Like it's like these yeah. these these hits that would be surefire singles like yeah. a couple of years earlier were suddenly easy outs. Uh, I don't like the shift. What do you it's think? It's easy. It's easy to ban the shift. And here's why. The same thing, the same reason that if in football, you have to have a certain number of men on the offensive line, right? If you don't have a certain number of men on the offensive line, it's a penalty. Okay. You can do the same thing with defense. Okay. You must have two players to the left of second base and two infielders and two infielders to the right of second. That's it. Outfield. You can shift your brains out. I don't care. Right. Right. But you cannot have, you know, that's just it. So same thing, same as in football, same as in hockey offside, whatever, however you want to see same in soccer offside. You can't have someone over there. Yeah. To keep you honest here. There you go. So I'm okay with that pitch clock. Sure. Go ahead and implement it. They sure. try it in tennis. Some, they try to do it in tennis. Sometimes Nadal takes every single second of that clock and he, they give him a couple seconds. Uh, oversized bases is the best idea of them all. Best okay. idea of them all. Where do they have to be little, you know, <laughs> especially when you see guys slide and then they slide past the base and then they have to reach back for the base, make it big, make it something you can hug. Maybe not huge like that, but make the bases bigger. One thing, the other thing is that when you're running to first base, full speed, it's not like you're playing softball with the kids and they got that orange base. That, that goes into right. foul territory bag. that the runner that runs across. Bag. Yeah, we have an slow pitch too. Right. You know, uh, but that's not a bad idea, is it? Right. Instead of, you know, the guy, I'm trying to get my left foot on the bag while the first right. baseman's got his foot on the bag. I'm going to spike him. I'm going to, I'm going to twist my ankle. I'm going to do all that. I'm going to slide into the bag. Anyway, I'm okay with that. So let's make it oversized bases and maybe these two sides will get back together again and uh, make a decision. The fact that they canceled the first week of the regular season is nuts. They've already told teams, just forgot. They don't care about April. The owners, they know that they're not making money in April and even May. 
the owners are prepared to spend April and May not having games so that the union will capitulate. They're still trying to break the union. Still trying to break. Well, that I think that's the uh, the goal here, and that they won't stop until they do break the union. It's so always the goal. Get comfy. This is going to go a while. Mike, the goal of the owners has always been to break the union in every sport, to weaken the union the way the NHLPA was weakened. Right? Oh, exactly. we don't know what to do. We don't know. Oh, we know we're only making fifty eight percent of our salary. What are we going to do? Okay, right. we'll give in some concessions. Baseball, I tell you, the Baseball Player Association is not giving in. This is going to be a long one, I'm sorry to say. Football, the Buffalo Bills are interested in signing former Patriots and Buccaneers tight end and Buffalo native Rab Gronkowski. Rab Gronkowski. Okay, Gronk. Uh, the Bills spoke with the tight end last offseason before he re-signed with the Bucks on a one-year deal. Um, and since it looks like Tom Brady not coming back, where is... Mr. Gronkowski going to go. He's not going to stay in Tampa, is he? He's a free agent. Buffalo with Josh Allen. Hmm. It's a natural move. It's going to happen. Future Hall of Famer, Josh Allen. And they need a tight end to Bills. Nothing against Dawson Knox, but he's no Rob Gronkowski. Bills next year. Super Bowl. Meanwhile, the NFL and NFLPA have suspended all COVID-19 protocols, becoming the first major North American sports league to do so. After nearly two years of restrictions, zero missed games, and four known hospitalizations, the NFL is back to normal. The league cited encouraging trends regarding the prevalence and severity of COVID-19, evolving guidance from the CDC, that's the Center for Disease Control, and changes to state laws as reasons for the change. Mike, how long before other leagues follow suit and drop their COVID-19 protocols? Any minute now, I think that people are ready to learn to live with this thing and move on. It's happening. It's happening. You can, you can sense it in the air, everybody. Even people who are like completely like uh, afraid and locked down suddenly are going out to the keg for dinner and stuff. Like I've noticed a complete shift in the mentality of everybody, especially, uh, especially well, Americans. 100% capacity now. So we're just starting to feel it here in Toronto. Right. But others have felt this for a long time. Right. right? right. Freedom. In golf, Rory McIlroy leads after the opening round at Bay Hill in Orlando, Florida. That's the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He shot a seven under 65. Uh, Adam Svensson from BC, who finished in a tie for ninth at the Honda Classic last week, uh, shot a 200 par 70. He's the top Canadian. Uh, and you know, they, they love showing bloopers uh, in golf. The Hebsey Awards many years ago, you'd have the occasional golf one, you know, a pro hitting it into the water, uh, stubbing a drive or something to that effect, right? Um but now it's, it's just it's just easy for people to find the blooper and just run the hell out of it, right? And this is the other thing. You know, you show uh, uh, something, you show it once, show it twice, whatever. But now it just seems that whoever uh, edits the highlights on these shows on TSN and Sportsnet, they have to show it like four or six times. They have to, right? As if, you know, okay, I get it, okay? And usually after the third time, that's enough. Okay, there it is. Oh, okay. So they show world number one, John Rom. Uh, missing a 10-inch putt that he he stubbed it he he went to make that kind of and then he he decelerated and it only went like three inches but they showed it like four times like how like come on so think about it he he goes to stroke it he kind of decelerates he only taps it a couple of inches and you show that four times no a big splash a, a fall of this a, that's different Right. But but to show to show that would be like you know showing a guy uh, you know uh, uh, pushing his cards into the middle of a poker table four times. 
Right. You know what it's like? It's like showing, okay, this guy this guy won the batting title, batting 336, but yeah, look, no. here he is striking out on three pitches. No, no, like, not even that, but not even, but showing that the third, the third showing it four times, the, right. the strikeout pitch, right? The third strike, four right. times from four different right. angles. Like, And in this case here, I mean, it was, uh, anyway, so they show that. Then they show Corey Connors topping a three wood from the fairway into the water, which we've all done. You know, we've all said, oh, I can hit that three wood over the water. And then, you know, you, you, you hit the top of it. It bounces 50 yards and goes into the drink. And they show that. So it's like, oh, yeah, let's show professional golfers screwing up. Right. right? And it's okay. I get it. But you don't have to show it four times. Another guy flies his greenside bunker shot into the grandstand. So it's like, you know, how many times can you show a hole in one? How many times can you show a 30-foot putt? How many times can you show somebody holding out? Right? Uh, it happens all the time, but just give me one guy to skull his bunker shot and we'll show that 15 times. Give you right. Because it's just, it's, it's abnormal for pros. So you have to pick those things out because we're just, we're so it's like in the NBA, how many times can I see a guy hit a three and another three and a dunk? Right. Right. Show me right. something different. Show me, me the dog running on the court. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, a uh, four under par 68 in the second round has Brooke Henderson, one shot off the lead at the HSBC Women's World Championships in Singapore. JY Coe is your leader at five under. Don't forget, Brooke Henderson is the greatest Canadian female golfer of all time, sure. having won 10 LPGA tournaments, and she's 24 years old. But she doesn't qualify for our list because she's still playing. Because by the time she finishes her career, she could be the greatest athlete in Canadian history. She could have 50 freaking majors. Okay. Would that make her Canada's greatest athlete? Uh, we'll have to have that conversation. When right, she retires, which in golf, it's going to be a long time. 26 years from now, she'll be 50. 26 years from now, I'll be not having, I'll be not hosting the show. I'll be lucky to make it to next week. That's it. Episode 274 of Hebsey on Sports is in the books. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. Hit him up at Toronto Mike. And thanks to executive producer Scott Allen. Thanks to our sponsors, NateMakesSoap.com goodfootdelivery.com. If you use the promo code HEBSY20, you'll get 20% off with Nate. NateMakesSoap.com. If you use HEBSY50 as the promo code, you get 50% off from goodfootdelivery.com. Such a deal. Special thanks to our guest, Garth Orge, for joining us from Florida. Awesome stuff, man. Great memories. And of course, thanks uh, for allowing us into your headspace. We do appreciate it. Back with another episode next week when we delve into spring training and a look back at some of the great Blue Jay moments of all time and some of the moments from 2021 that made us Blue Jay fans, made us angry, made us want to see this team play as soon as possible. That's next week. Until then, so long for now.